whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 64. 64 episodes. Like each episode, I'm just going to start a tremor. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It just shows the appreciation that I have for you guys and the show that we've created thus far. We are super, super close to 4,000 listeners. We are about, I think, 50 away. So just keep it rolling. Keep it throwing. Keep the throttle. Keep the gas on the show. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Your pets, dogs, cats, snakes. I don't even know what, what kind of pets do you guys have. That's kind of crazy. But really, this, this is going to be this. You're going to see this on Monday morning. It's going to be more of a mailbag type podcast because I'm having to pack. I'm having to prepare. We're going to the Cheez It Bowl. Going to be vlogging it for my other show, Cover Two. So shout out to Patrick Neal who hopefully is uh, listening right now because his question is on here. But it's going to be a whole whirlwind, so I wanted to get a podcast in on Thursday to catch up because it was a crazy weekend last time, and now to just anticipate what's happening and what's coming. I've got a ton of questions that cover not only this Sunday and what's happened thus far, and as I'm recording right now, it's about 6 o'clock, so the games right now are kind of slow, and the Steelers are getting they're, uh, they're getting taken to town, and the Broncos and the Raiders don't really interest me in terms of topics. And then I don't really care what happens in Seattle with the snowstorm. So today, today, a lot of things. We got about, I would say, 11 questions. Some are fun. Some are football. So we'll get to all of that. Um, To quote Reed Gaston, because I had a little inside joke with him. He'll know what I'm saying. That's a win for any franchise. Playoffs with a rookie QB. We'll get into that in a second. But And he has a little bit of a hot take that we'll add to it. But I wanted to just get right into it. We're going to go question by question. You'll see in the description below. I'm going to try to timestamp these. So if you're listening and your question was included, just kind of be able to watch it and not have to worry and wait 30 minutes to potentially get your question in there. So we're just going to go one by one. You'll be able to find your time and be able to listen to my thoughts on each matter. So let's start with it. Graham, battle of the one and the two today. We had Jets Jags. And normally when you look at these kind of games, you're thinking, oh, crap. This is one game where if it's if everything else is on commercial, I'll tune into it. But this is really not the case this year. You've had a really fascinating look at Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, who's gone through about as much controversy, not because of him, but just because of the team alone as a rookie quarterback. I know you've had guys like Johnny Manziel and stuff like that, or Ryan Leaf, who've gone through their share of media attention. But for Lawrence, it's more of getting him out of that situation and saving him. Because there's been so much. And for Zach Wilson, it's been dealing with injuries and being able to see if he's the guy that can elevate the Jets to a new level and get them back to the playoffs since Rex Ryan was there. That's crazy to say. And I know a lot of people are like, Rex Ryan to the playoffs. It actually happened. I learned that as a football fan a couple of years back when I was, I think, in high school. I was like, man, the Jets in the playoffs? And they beat my Patriots. So it was, it was an eye-opening experience for me. But the way I wanted, Graham, you to look at this for your question is that this is an audition for Zach Wilson. And you're going to say audition. A lot of you are going to say audition. Why? What do you mean by that? And I mean because at the end of the year, you kind of start to formulate an opinion. We kind of have our mindset on who Zach Wilson is, who Trevor Lawrence is. And we were thinking, all right, in, these, in this business, teams move on quick. And you are seeing like Davis Mills, who's having his audition, where all three of these guys... And some better than others, they have to kind of put on more of a performance than maybe Trevor Lawrence because he is the number one pick and this bona fide star and gets a little more slack due to Urban Meyer. But with Wilson in New York, there's it's a very impatient, it's a very high expectation, it's the city, everyone's got big dream, everything's just, it's crazy there. So for Wilson, 
going against the number one pick, the Bonafide Star, and winning today and having a highlight play where he took it 52 yards for a touchdown, that is huge for not only what he's trying to build there and for him personally, his confidence. It hasn't been the smoothest of years. He's got six touchdowns, 11 picks on the year. If that's for, I think that's correct. Um, but for him to win this today without Robert Sala, that is huge. He's been putting on a little bit more consistency. He's had a couple of those rookie throws still, but he's beginning to form that and become more consistent with the Jets. And for the Jets to see that going against a guy that he should beat, a team that they should beat as the Jaguars are just, um, oh my God, it's unbelievable. But it's really happy for you. So as a Jets fan, I think you got a lot to look forward to. I hope that little DoorDash notification wasn't heard. So we'll check that out after uh, I edit. Um, okay, on to the next question. So this comes from Ben, and it was more of a frustrating comment, but we're going to turn it into something with the Patriots. So that that was an interesting game today. Patriots got waxed 33-21. to 21. Uh, You could say it was the refs. You could say it was Mac Jones unable to move the ball down the field consistently and not get a consistent thing in the pass game against the top defense in terms of pass. Um, the Patriots have some problems, and say what you will, about what's happened, but these last two games against the Colts and the Bills, they've been outplayed physically, they've been outgained on the run, on the run, on the ground, in the air, wherever you want to see it or wherever you want to call it, there's been issues. Mac Jones has been throwing more turnovers than these last couple games. He's had four picks, and I know that last one was more of a heave in triple coverage to Jacoby Myers, just kind of seeing what you can get at the end of the game. But there's a lot of issues, and someone actually in the Boston, uh, they were writing something on Twitter. They said this team has all been all year. So two and four, they're better than two and four, nine and four. We may not be as good as we think they are. Are they peaking early? Are they arriving too soon as a team with a rookie QB? There's a lot of stuff happening that New England's had to go through this year. The heir apparent to Brady, COVID becoming a problem again, two and four, having to climb out of that hole, ride all that momentum with such a young team and new familiar faces. And this is a roster that isn't necessarily with Brady. They had guys that were there for a long time. You got people like McCordy and Slater were able to kind of say, hey, we've been here before. We can do this. But this roster is very new to winning. Besides the maybe the Matthew Judon or the Kendrick Bourne that went to a Super Bowl, this is a roster that is not one like this in a while. So you got to kind of take the ebbs and flows of this season. And yeah, losing to Buffalo sucks. It stinks, especially if you're a Patriots fan who thought this was our comeback. This was their rise. This was going to be them taking this to Buffalo and saying, hey, this this game in the blizzard wasn't a fluke. I, you could tell from the jump that Buffalo was ready for this and they just wanted to out-physical, out-gain, all this other stuff. So I wouldn't be frustrated because 9-6, and six, you're in the mix. You're going to make the postseason based on what's happened today. So there's not a lot to worry about, but going on the road and having to win four straight games, it's going to be tough, but it's an achievement nonetheless. All right. So Gabe, <laughs> Gabe texted me and he was like, all right, I just want you to shout out ECU. They're playing their bowl game tomorrow. Super excited about it. So one of my buddies from high school goes to East Carolina. He just wanted me to shout out ECU. And then their bowl gets canceled literally two hours after he sends the text in for the question. And I was like, oh my God. And the team had to miss Christmas with their family. They had to travel. It was the holiday bowl against, no, it was a military bowl against Boston College. And so it was their first bowl game in five years. So I just wanted to get that out there. Um, but man, these, these bowl games have been kind of crazy getting canceled early and we're going to get to that in a second, but you really hope that doesn't happen with the playoff. You really don't want that kind of situation to 
rear its ugly head because we've had some positive tests within like Georgia and we'll get into that in a bit when we take a break but there's been so much stuff with Omicron and I said it in the podcast on Thursday that this this new strand's going to have an impact because it transmits so fast and it has it just passes through people it's crazy it's like it just passes like the wind it's unbelievable how this uh virus transmit I mean so much stuff is happening and a lot of things now I'm not going to get into the specifics or have an opinion on it, but it's just crazy how it's impacted the sports world yet again. We're in the same position last year where we're kind of just holding our breath, hoping and waiting for things to kind of blow over. It's almost like a relief, so you kind of appreciate the games when they happen, but to have see that happen to a team that their first bowl game in five years, that's tough. But you know what, Gabe? Shout out to ECU. Shout out to what they're doing in the American Conference. There you go. <laughs> okay, next one is Josh, and he's just, what the heck do the Panthers do? Now, today, the Panthers, it was clear from the beginning, and it's been clear for a while. Since that Arizona game, Cam Newton, I'm back. I'm back. The whole, you've seen the memes, you've seen everything. But I call it the Cam Newton conundrum, and we've had it since 2018. So, he has a shoulder injury, and he's just not the same. It has not been the same with Cam. It has been almost, it's like, it feels like a dry spell. You're just waiting for him to get over that hump. He hasn't won a game with the Panthers as a starter I think he's 0-14 now. Like, oh my goodness. So he goes to New England, and he goes 2-1, and and you have those games. He's healthy. Haven't really been figured out. New England is not a team that really has a running quarterback, so you have to adjust to it. And then they go 7-9, and miss the playoffs. Cam Newton, 8 touchdowns, 11 picks. Oh, you just got to get out of your system. Get shivers thinking about it. And then he goes to Carolina, comes in for like 5 plays, and has 2 touchdowns. The I'm back. You, get, you really feel for Cam Newton because he works real hard. He's grown up. He says all the right things. He puts the losses on himself, and you you want to root for the guy. But then when he steps on the field and the results aren't there, you're thinking, what happened? Well, maybe next game he'll figure it out. Because he said that really nice thing in the media. He's like, I no one in this organization takes the loss better than me. And you're like, okay. And then it comes out, and he's like 2 for 14 with a pick, and you're like, oh, jeez, oh, man. It's the Cam Newton conundrum. We've had this for so long. It's crazy. But I think that it's, I don't know. I also have some questions about Matt Rule. Is he built to last? This is a roster that is built to win now. They made trades for Stephon Gilmore. They made plays. They have a really great defense. They've drafted really well in the last couple drafts. They just can't get it right at quarterback. And maybe it's Sam Darnold. Maybe it's somebody else. It's not Cam Newton. This is a team that with Cam Newton, they're by far the worst team in the division. Even with an Ian Book Saints, the Saints defense makes Cam Newton uncomfortable. It makes it difficult for them to be able to get things done. So, for Matt Rule, if you want to last, if you want to be able to succeed in this league, you got to have something to find to make it work. you got to make it work because the clock is ticking. You can, I can make the, you guys can't see it, but I'm making the hand on the wrist because the clock is ticking for Carolina. But the time's up for Cam, and that's what I will leave it at that. All right, so Gavin wanted me to talk about the college football playoff. So, Gavin, I just want to say thank you because I was going to make a topic on this anyways. So it's perfect that it comes from you and you asking about it. So I'm very appreciative of that. So the CFP playoffs, the first thing I had down is we're crossing our fingers because we don't know what the heck's going to happen because Omicron has come out of nowhere. We don't know. We just have to kind of each day is almost like we're holding our breath. We're just waiting for it to pass. And then once it becomes a thing, once we get to December 20, 20, December 31st, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. We'll be good. But for games like Cincy and Alabama, the thing for me is the speed. Because you saw it with Georgia. How does Cincinnati, a team that's not used to playing 
that handle that kind of speed? Jamison Williams, how do they handle Bryce Young? How do they handle the huge offensive lineman of the SEC? How do they handle the power, the level of competition? It's going to be a jump up, and it's going to be a shock to the system. The way I looked at it, and it's not obviously Clemson and Cincinnati on levels, but for those first two quarters when they played Ohio State, Clemson had played a subpar ACC all year and then played a monster in Ohio State against Justin Fields in that Fiesta Bowl. And for two quarters, they looked outmatched, but they have the talent to be able to overcome that. If Cincinnati gets in a hole early just because of talent alone, how does it work? I know that Cincinnati's had some SEC transfers. They've been able to work through it. They've been able to win the American Conference, go 13-0, do things that Cincinnati hasn't done, do things a group of five team hasn't done ever. We got a group of five team in the football playoff. I know UCF is saying it should be me, but there's just so much excitement with it. So my instant gut reaction is to pick Bama by a mile and say, hey, this is a done deal. This is a chalk one. This is like Notre Dame last year. Don't worry about it. Just watch the Georgia game. But part of me is very interested about Cincinnati and how that'll work out, how that system will process, how that culture, how that organization will really come together. It'll be really exciting. And on for the other hand, Georgia and Michigan, it is going to be the most physical game we've ever seen in college football playoff, besides that Ohio State-Clemson game that I mentioned earlier. It is going to be a strength on strength. Both teams like to run the football. Both teams like to beat you with hard-hitting, aggressive defense. This is going to be Hassan Haskins. He's going to have to do what he did against Ohio State. Cade McNamara is going to have to take care of the football. JT Daniels out with COVID. How does that affect Georgia? There's so many storylines. And there's so many headlines that are happening. But I think the most important thing for Georgia is how have they responded to the Alabama loss? Because it's been about a month now since we've had Bryce Young go to Atlanta and literally tear a new one into Georgia's defense. That was a really ugly game to watch. It was something you could you have a first round and it's pretty equal. They The boxers kind of go at it. And the second round, there's a knockout. And it was that throw to Jamison Williams. I'm worried that Georgia is in that mindset. I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue, but if you're a Georgia fan, I'd see how they start. I'd see how they start off in Miami. It's going to be humid. It's going to be tough. Whoever's the most physical team is going to win that game. My national championship picks are Michigan and Alabama because they'd want to see what happens with Georgia, how they respond, how they handle that adversity. It's been a rough month because they've had to have that hanging over their heads for a while. But Kirby Smart's good with preparation, good with taking care of things. He's good with running that program, so I'm excited to really see it. This is a new playoff. We have a lot of new blood in this four set to be able to keep things interesting and be able to keep fans happy. New geographical locations in Cincinnati and Michigan to keep the fans invested. It's not just three teams from the Southeast and then Ohio State or Oklahoma. There's a lot of new blood in here, and it's going to be very exciting. Okay, we're going to take a short break and answer some more questions like the Cardinals collapse, the Packers as a regular season team, my awards for the NFL so far, AJ Terrell, and what was my favorite gift for Christmas? All that and more. This is the Mammoth Plane Podcast. We'll be right back. This is the Mammoth Plane Podcast, episode 64. Guys, if you've enjoyed so far, please consider leaving a like, subscribing, or leaving a five-star review. It really helps the channel grow, get out there, helps that YouTube algorithm, if you know what I'm saying, all that good stuff. So, just get right into it. We got our next question from my guy, Nick, and Nick is asking, 
what is the big reason for the Cardinals decline? And I think the first thing you got to look at is they are severely limited on offense without DeAndre Hopkins. He does so much for making Kyler Murray comfortable. He does so much for that offense for Cliff Kingsbury as a play caller. It makes it so much easier when you have a number one receiver that you can just go to on any play. Third and five, and we need five yards here. Hopkins, where are you, where are you at, man? You need a red zone leap. You need a little 50-50 ball. Hopkins be that guy. A.J. Green is a little past that, and he's a great number two at this point in his career, but he's not that. Christian Kirk, great slot receiver, but they need that edge. They need that guy that can cover. Maybe you have a defensive coordinator late at night who can't sleep because he's wondering, how the heck am I going to cover DeAndre Hopkins? It is such a big part of that offense and who they are that it just changes everything. It makes Cliff Kingsbury have to evaluate, readjust. And I think we've seen this a little bit from the Cardinals. They start strong, and they start to wither. And that's Cliff Kingsbury, that offense as a head coach, that air raid. It's explosive, it's dynamic in the first eight weeks, and then it starts to get a little bit figured out. Things you have to be creative, you got to adapt. Halftime, you got to make adjustments. There are certain things with Cliff Kingsbury that I've certainly never trusted, and I was never really sure about them to begin with. I know they're winning a lot of games. They're getting a lot of fumbles, and I know you're not going to be like, fumbles, what are you talking about? They get a lot of fumbles. They fumble a lot, but they're able to recover a lot of it. So let's it just you see how the that thing swings in your way so often. Eventually, something's going to come to bite you. And for me, I think Arizona is going to be a playoff team for sure. They're going to be able to get in there and sneak in and make some noise. They could be dangerous too with Kyler Murray, but I don't think this is a team that can win four straight games and win a Super Bowl. We talked it with Jackson in our interview with a JEM Live. Go check out his channel at JEM Live. Dude's a beast. He was a great content creator as well. But we talked about, can a contender, if you're a contender, can you win four straight games? Can you win even three in some certain situations if you're a number one seed and be able to put that all together and go win a Super Bowl? I don't think the Cardinals can do that, especially in a loaded NFC with Aaron Rodgers, Brady, so many other factors. It's going to be tough for them. Now, Mitchell asks, what are your ideal Jaguars candidates? What are your thoughts on them? Who's your personal favorite? So, Excuse me, for me, the number one priority for Jacksonville needs to be get a guy who can get on Trevor Lawrence's level, relate to Trevor Lawrence, and get him in the right situation, start to develop him. Pretty much, he's a rookie again, start from scratch. That's what they need to do with Trevor. I, personal favorite, I would love to see Byron Leftwich. I love what they've done in Tampa Bay with all those weapons. I think him and Tom Brady have had a really good relationship. I think Byron Leftwich can pull from a lot of different resources. I think he's a very popular guy in the NFL that I think that Trevor Lawrence could be able to work with. And I think he's a guy that also could attract free agents because I think that's the number two priority for Jacksonville. You have a lot of cap space. You no longer have Urban Meyer, who has alienated a lot of the league in amount, in like a span of three months. So you're able to get a guy that can relate on Lawrence's level and build a roster around the league now that you don't have the guy that agitates everybody or kicks people or goes to bars. So you've got a solid start. I would love to see a Jim Caldwell maybe. He's got a lot of respect around the league. Doug Peterson's another one who was able to change Carson Wentz's trajectory of his career with that MVP season before he got hurt. So there's a lot of things Jacksonville can do, but the top two priorities need to be get Trevor Lawrence, his guy, get him start start over, start from scratch, and you need to get a guy that can attract free agents and build a culture. Brian Weff, Leftwich is that guy. Now Myron, my boy Myron, my QB Myron, guy at Catawba, shout out to him. Are the Packers just a regular season team, or do they really have it this year? And this is a really tricky one, and it goes without saying that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to be 
in any conversation with Green Bay, you're going to bring up Aaron Rodgers. So I think what Green Bay's done this year is they've made it to where, okay, if we're in the NFC Championship game, we're not going to make it all in Aaron Rodgers. We're going to be able to do a multitude of things. We're going to be able to win with defense, stronger secondary, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, a lot of great things that they've done there. They have this really, this uh, Rasul Douglas. He has been a stud since Jair Alexander's gone out. He has been great. Packers secondary is developing. A.J. Dillon. They have Aaron Jones be able to run the ball more efficiently. Their receivers, Alan Lazard, MVS, taking steps in the next direction and taking steps in that direction. That right direction is what I mean. So now when you go back to these last two NFC Championship games and you go, okay, 49ers, they got whacked. They got they weren't able to do anything on offense. They got outplayed physically. And in the next game, Tampa Bay was able to mount an early come. They were able to, I think it was like 28-13. Green Bay was able to come back. But in the end, it wasn't enough against Brady. They've made it to where they can be dangerous because Aaron Rodgers at any moment could pull the game of his life. But he doesn't have to because they can run the football well. They play great defense. They're a more complete team. So what I'm thinking, Myron, is that this could be the year but it's getting to an NFC that has gotten a lot better. But I think if they have to go through Lambeau, and it's the same thing. If they have to go through Lambeau, if they have to go through New England, if they have to go through Kansas City, that environment, those fans, it's going to be really, really tough. Okay, my guy, my co-host, Patrick Neal, if you haven't checked out Cover 2, you need to on Tiger Vision, our sponsor, our presenter. We love it doing it. We talk college football, and we're going to talk more sports soon because college football's sadly ending, but... He asks, what are your NFL award races? So we're going to go rapid fire on these. My MVP, I hate to say it, guys, but Aaron Rodgers is playing much better than everybody else on a broken pinky toe. That hurts. Imagine stepping on some Legos and you're like, ooh, that hurts. Jamming your foot into a like a dining room table. Ooh, that hurts. How about getting stepped on by a 300-pound man with a broken pinky toe? That really hurts. <laughs> and being able to do what he's been doing all season the storylines, he's just put his head down, and I can hear my brother now saying, I was right, I was right, but man, has he been awesome, and man, has he done this revenge tour thing, it's been unreal to see my worst, I don't, I don't personally, I'm, Aaron Rodgers isn't my cup of tea, but what he's done this year, you can't, you can't just disqualify, you can't say, it doesn't count, because he's this, he's not a good guy, he's not this, so what he's done this year has been unreal, he's my MVP, by far. My depoy, give me TJ Watt for now. He's been doing really well for a Steelers team that's needed some sparks. He's played, I believe, in less games, too, and had I think he has 17 sacks. He's been unreal. He's given the Steelers a chance, but keep an eye out for Micah Parsons. My offensive rookie of the year right now is Mac Jones, for now. If he can finish strong and get over whatever the slump is, I'm going to give it to him because if they win 11 games and make the playoffs as a rookie, that's fantastic. It's because... That culture, he's come in, he's put his head down, he's done what he's needed to do, done what he's asked, and done it with poise, class. Give me Mac Jones offensive rookie of the year. Deep defensive rookie of the year by a mile is Micah Parsons. I don't need to tell you why. If you watch football, you know. Okay, my next question comes from Mac, AJ Terrell. He just wanted me to talk about him. And so I just little did a little bit of a spin, McGregor. I think AJ Terrell has made significant strides this year. He's a shutdown corner where he's not going to get a lot of love in the media to like these like mainstream because he's not going to get his name thrown out everywhere because he shuts down that. It's like Richard Sherman 
on the Seahawks there because they got Legion of Boom, but he's an, a lone star on a team that is struggling to make big wins and make big thing big things in the market. Playing for the Falcons, being seven and eight, it's kind of a weird year, but he's certainly a guy you can build around on defense. You can get an established corner to play alongside him and really start to create a really significant culture with Arthur Smith. Really love what they've done, really. Seven out of the eight, or seven and eight, with a roster that I believe is severely worse than a lot of the other teams in the NFL. It's really impressive what they've done. They've been in a lot of games. They've competed. This is a really impressive year for the Falcons and Arthur Smith as a first-year head coach. Our next question comes from a multitude of questions. I just... I got these stream of texts from my uh, sister, and congratulations, by the way, on you and Reed's marriage. Logan Gaston sends in, she has Christmas edition dogs, dogs versus cats, Bravo Housewives, reality TV, Cheeto, food, seafood, Italian food, Southern food, New Year's resolutions, do they really work? Siblings, parents, have me on your show, I'm clearly good at this, I'm done now. For real, have me on your show, will be the best ratings ever, that is all, see you tomorrow. Logan, so I'm just gonna try to, like, condense all that, because that was a lot, so... All right, well, Christmas edition. Uh, love Christmas. Dogs. Dogs versus cats. Dogs for sure, but Cheeto is a homie. Bravo Housewives. No comment because I don't really know what that is, Logan. Reality TV. Not a fan of it. Cheeto. The homie. Food. Gotta love me some kicking chicken. Southern food, of course. News resolutions. They work if you're willing to put in the work for them. Uh, siblings. I mean, if anyone knows who we are, I mean, we could make a pretty good team. Parents, shout out to Marilyn Chip. Have me on your show. Okay, Logan, if you want to be on the show, you got to bring it. You got to get some uh, some interviews. You got to be ready. We'll talk about your uh, teaching world and how that's gone. Okay, she's done. But that is Logan's question. And for the final one, last one but a good one, comes from Gracie. She wanted to know what was my favorite gift for Christmas. And Gracie, my favorite gift from Christmas to wrap up the show is I'm going to Boston. And... It's either a Patriots game, a Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox. We don't know, but I get to, uh, me and a couple of buddies are potentially going to head up to Boston for just just for a game, just for something fun, and I'm really excited about that, and this new podcast equipment. So tell me what you got for Christmas. Tell me all your favorite memories of the holidays, favorite sports moment from Christmas. Guys, that wraps up our show today, episode 64 of the Man with the Plan podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Subscribe for more. Tell your friends and family about us, and as always... Take care.